I'm not someone who's interested in staying in the spotlight or having that type of attention. The value that I feel in the career opportunities that I had, the value comes from being able to see others accomplish, to build and recognize their own strengths in ways that help them be successful. Glaze and Grit is a podcast where honest and real conversations are front and center. A conversation where Fargo-Moorhead area business owners, thought leaders, advocates, and visionaries share their lessons learned and provide a fresh perspective to better inform and support you in your journey. It's about sharing the real story to inspire, lead, and encourage, all right here in my backyard of Fargo, North Dakota. It all starts with a conversation, an honest one. I'm Jessie Winnerovich, and this is Glazing Grit. I had the unique pleasure of connecting with Tim Isinger, CEO for the Ann Carlson Center, a servant leader who oversees an incredible, impactful organization whose mission is to make the world a more inclusive place where independence is a gift to all. In a world full of noise, it was such a wonderful opportunity to lean in and learn. My goal is I hope our conversation leaves you motivated to take action on how we as a community can support and lift up our fellow community members with a disability. Here's Tim Isinger. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Doing well. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on and and chatting with me this morning. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Well, are you ready to get started, Tim? I am ready. All right. Sounds great. To provide a bit of background for our listeners, you are the Chief Executive Officer with the Ann Carlson Center a position you've held for the past three years. As the Ann Carlson Center is an essential organization to our community and has made a profound impact on so many lives, can you share what was your motivating factor to serve with Ann Carlson? Yeah, appreciate the question, Jesse. It's it's been an interesting journey for me, I guess, across my professional career. And I feel so fortunate to have had the opportunity to join Ann Carlson in 2014 as their chief operating officer, and then in 2017 to move into the CEO role. You know, having spent 37 years in the field, you know, and one of one of the organizations I'd worked in was a 30-year stint. And of course, as I can see 60 from here, I know that that's no longer the model that uh, modern business works uh, within. But I did know there was a significant change in mission for my previous employer, and it was one in which Mission was given second billing to margin. Mm. And it's been my entire career really focusing on the ability to be a difference maker and to make the world a better place. And I really struggled at that time knowing that the uh, where was I going to fit? I mean, I had spent 30 years in that particular organization wanting to make that difference. And suddenly the mission pulled out from under me where where would I land? And it certainly took a little bit of recruiting and effort to get me out of my comfort zone. But, you know, it was really quick to see uh, with the inquiry from the Ann Carlson Center, the amazing scope of services they offered and the ideology that Dr. Ann Carlson had built into the institution was alive and well, and that there were so many opportunities available to every team member at Ann Carlson to be that difference maker that I uh, I made the jump. I have never regretted a single second of it and I uh, would do it again in a heartbeat. 
I think that's so interesting, Tim. You knew you had to make a leap or do something, but you still struggled or wrestled a little bit with stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, I, I think that's a uh, I think that's a modern day challenge for uh, leadership, and especially if you know you, you've spent the majority of your career in one or two industries that you feel as if you're locked in. And I just think the current operating environment is such that people have to be willing to take new risks, um, evaluate new opportunities. You know, I liken it to in looking at the many challenges that the individuals we serve at the Ann Carlson. If I had a quarter of those physical or intellectual challenges, I mean, I, I can't help but feel like I'd be totally debilitated. And yet the courage that has shown by the families and the individuals we serve to get up each and every day and aspire to not only improve themselves, but make the world a better place, to work towards independence and be a contributing member of society. Well, we should all aspire to that. And it's just such an incredible example of courage. They're truly living examples for all of us and uh, certainly function as my role models. Can you share more about the center's namesake, Dr. Ann Carlson, along with the services and support the team provides? Certainly. You know, <clears throat> Dr. Ann was really kind of a legend uh, in her own time. She was recognized by presidents. Um, she is in the Theodore Roosevelt Rough Rider Hall of Fame. You know, there's just so many aspects of celebrity, and yet, you know, her beginnings were very humble. Born in 1915 in Grantsburg, Wisconsin, I mean, there were significant challenges. I, I get the opportunity to greet all new employees at Ann Carlson as part of our general orientation, and I get a chance to talk about Dr. Ann and her amazing accomplishments in her life, but I also spend a little bit of time talking about Dr. Ann's parents, Alfred and Marin Carlson. And the reason I, I, I note that is, again, the, the opportunities given to so many were directly related with Dr. Ann's birth. Born with a significant physical or intellectual disability in 1915, the almost first response would be, do we institutionalize this child? Or if we do raise her in our own home, do we put her in the basement? Do we put her in a back room, you know, not engaged? And the courage of Alfred and Marin Carlson to say, we don't care what the social conventions of the day are. Our opportunity here is to give our daughter every possible opportunity to succeed in our church, our school, our community, um, in, in our family home. And they set the bar so high. And I just tell our teams, we need to each and every one of us have the courage that Dr. Ann's parents had because that will to take on all the naysayers who don't see possibilities or don't see potential. And given the opportunity to showcase what Dr. Ann accomplished in her life, that's a living testament to their courage. And I said, each and every one of us has to demonstrate that same courage as we uh, move forward in our work with, with Ann Carlson. Beautiful. Thank you. And I know you've mentioned previously that team member, and you touched on it here, team members are always empowered and expected to do the right thing at the Ann Carlson Center and to be bold and courageous in their thoughts and actions. As the CEO, how do you empower your team members to be bold, courageous, and empowered to do the right thing? I think it's really important to, to be not just someone who leads by words, but who leads by example. You know, you have to ensure that you're setting the bar high, you aspire to, you give 
and support the organization as much as any other team member. Our pediatrician had mentioned the other day, just saying she really appreciated that when at the center, we had to go to um, both face masks and face shields, that that wasn't just something that was done by those individuals directly working with the persons we serve. That was from the top down, and I wore it, and our chief operating officer, the entire executive team role modeled that and said, this is the example that we set, and um, this is the expectation we have for the organization. I think that's a critical component is to lead by example. The other aspect that I think is important is, and I know that different companies approach this differently, but from a leadership perspective, recognize that leadership can come from anywhere within an organization. You know, my my generation tended to be a tenure-based leadership. If you were there and you survived the organization the longest, you were allowed to lead. And I, I think more creative, innovative organizations today certainly respect loyalty to an organization, but they also believe very strongly that it's based on what you're willing to give and contribute to the organization and that everyone's voice should be heard and people should be empowered to act upon their environment and make a change. If we don't support that in terms of our employees and their ability to know and understand and impact their environment, how do we empower them to ensure that those we serve also have the ability to act on and feel empowered within their environment and make those kind of systemic changes? I think it builds upon itself. As those we serve gain new skills, they gain new confidence in their abilities, they're willing to try new things, the same rules apply very effectively to employees. And as we have more confidence in their skills, they're more willing to take on more roles and responsibilities. And Ann Carlson is very invested as a value of the organization in lifelong learning and ensuring that we provide opportunities to individuals who want to make a career of social services or want to make a career of Ann Carlson, that they'll have opportunities for that within our organization. And I'm sure that this is true in, in other businesses as well. You know, how diverse should an organization become? And in some respects, as we've grown and added, you know, our seven locations in North Dakota, one in Minnesota, you know, we still have aspirations to continue that growth because there are so many unmet needs. But the more diversity that you have adds to your infrastructure and it adds to, um, you know, the oversight responsibilities and things become complicated. Um, and yet when we kind of reflect back on, you know, how we approach business as an organization, just as diversity has been our strength in recognizing abilities and talents of those we work with, it has also been a strength in that the diversity of services adds an economic strength to the work of Ann Carlson. And I just think the sky's the limit. We are just really kind of getting off the ground in terms of where we want to make major impacts as an organization. We've been able to connect with Microsoft. We've been able to connect with Apple. You know, look to find major innovators and creators who are able to look at where technology can be a major assistance for individuals who might need that support to be more uh, independent. And so we're um, excited. Uh, my, uh, my mentor, Eric Munson, previous chief executive officer, you know, also saw that potential and he was the primary architect of our last 10 or 12 years of growth. You know, he just told me, Tim, never take your foot off the gas. You know, we as an organization have a responsibility to address these unmet needs. We've got 
an incredibly loyal supporter and donor base. We've got incredible team members from all across the state, and therefore it's our responsibility to address and meet and exceed the vision of Dr. Ann Carlson and be the different makers that we have the capability of being. Beautiful. Tim, with the disability community making up the largest minority population in the world, how can Fargo-Moorhead become more of an inclusive society to better support and rally around our community members who have a disability or a delay? Everyone's lives are so busy and hectic, and we're pulled in so many different directions that I don't know that we always, unless we're, we're directly associated or know someone with a disability, that we're taking the time to listen to the disability community and those advocates that we have all across the state. They have such powerful voices and they know what can be of assistance for them interacting with the world. I was on a panel recently um, where they had the conversation about advocacy and, and I was able to pull up or go back and find some of the letters that Dr. Ann Carlson had wrote in accessing the uh, Capitol in Bismarck. Mm-hmm. And she gave them an earful. She said, you know, we, we deserve the respect the investment to ensure that all citizens all across the state of North Dakota can participate and make a difference in our government. The the nice thing about Dr. Ann, she had the clout to ensure that she was heard by the governor. And now I think our challenge is, is to make sure we maintain that high level of advocacy so that those voices don't get drowned out by all the other noise that's going on outside. You are also proficient in modern technology where you have built your own computers and have produced computer graphics and animations, which have aired on networks such as History Channel, Discovery Health, and PBS. What made you step into building computers? My career's kind of been lit in some ways, and I think it's just kind of my own intellectual survival. I've really enjoyed my work in the human services uh, and being a difference maker for people. I've had that inspiration since um, I was a child, um, second oldest of seven. I had the responsibility um, and accountability for my siblings, and I, I, it seems like that's followed me for my entire career. But I also understand that working with people is the infinite shades of gray. And so my interest in computers is largely based on it was somewhat of a break in that computers are binary, they're zero and one, they're very black and white. I think for me, it provided some balance to my life. Okay, this is the very ordered part of what I do and build, and you can still allow, you know, creativity within that environment. And then the infinite shades of gray that are part of human services that are equally as rewarding and challenging. How much do you find that your background in understanding the importance of providing state-of-the-art technologies to your clients has assisted Ann Carlson in general, along with, especially during COVID-19, where so many organizations and businesses were behind the eight ball in ensuring their communication systems or general processes were not on modern technologies. That's a really good point, Jesse. I think the component for Ann Carlson and and my own personal view on it is that those types of technology initiatives are not luxuries. They tend to be necessities. Mm -hmm. Um, They push us out of our comfort zone to reinvent what we can do as an organization and the difference that we can make with the organization. The other component that I think is been really effective for us is our interest in public-private partnership. Uh, we have an event coming up called an Adaptathon, in which we'll be adapting toys for individuals we serve 
that might not be able to interact with them normally. So working with the University of Jamestown and the students there, we have an opportunity to convert those to switch-based and um, sensory-based that opens up a whole new window for both the children that are receiving these toys and inspires a new generation of students to be difference makers as well. Um, again, the sky's the limit in terms of what can be accomplished with those types of partnerships. Mm -hmm. Tim, I want to segue a little bit to your early beginnings. You grew up on a dairy farm, which provided a strong foundation on which you built a career in the nonprofit sector. Can you share a little bit more about your early years and what those experiences taught you? The elements of working on a dairy farm, for those that can relate to the experience, that is, uh, I mean, that's seven days a week. There are no breaks. There are no uh, vacations. Those types of things are just not a part of that kind of lifestyle. And they set the foundation for me. Certainly, my parents drove the values of initiative, hard work, ensuring that you had honesty and integrity and always to value family. Mm -hmm. And uh, my uh, brothers and sisters are scattered somewhat, but I really have close relationships. Unfortunately, I lost my dad to cancer just two weeks into my uh, role, starting with Ann Carlson. And uh, But I know he certainly would have been proud of the, the accomplishments and how I've worked to live out those values being a, a part of Ann Carlson. Yeah, I think they have uh, served me exceptionally well and uh, blessed with the family that I have. What made you decide to go into counseling? You know, a, a kind of a haphazard journey. Unfortunately, I was one of the first in my family to go to college. And so went to NDSU. My interest is, was in helping others. And so I elected to go into psychology, which was a, was a wonderful major. I thoroughly enjoyed myself until I graduated and then was told <laughs> that you basically can't do anything with a psychology degree. It afforded me then an opportunity to get into a social service mission with a strong Christian ministry to it. You know, it, it just kind of set the uh, set the stage for uh, continued opportunities and, and growth. Across my entire journey in this nearly 40 years that I've been in the field, you know, I don't know that I've ever been in a position where I set a goal of achieving a specific target. Like, you know, someday I'm going to be head of this particular organization. I always tended to find myself in a position where whatever role I was in, I was going to do the best I possibly could in that role. And I remember people telling me, why do you do extra? Why do you add um, more to this role than is asked of you? You don't get paid anymore. They don't recognize any more of what you do. Why is that important? And probably it was more luck than anything, but I said, it's definitely one thing that can never be taken away from me is the experience that I'm gaining with each and every new initiative I'm a part of. And what I found in my leadership journey is that I typically haven't said, I want to be involved in this particular leadership opportunity, but I've been asked, Tim, based on what you demonstrated in this role, I think you'd be a very nice fit in moving into this area. I mean, I feel very blessed and fortunate in the opportunities that have been presented to me, but it hasn't been with a real major initiative on my part to say I need to be in that particular role. And I don't know that it necessarily speaks to the values that I bring. I'm not someone who's interested in staying in the spotlight or having that type of attention. The value that I feel in the 
career opportunities that I had, the value comes from being able to see others accomplish, to build and recognize their own strengths in ways that help them be successful. The, the component with it is when I worked with delinquent adolescents, if I told them what to do, oftentimes they were successful. But what they learned from that particular exercise is they needed to have Tim Isinger around in order to be successful because he would tell them what to do. The true value in being what I consider myself as a servant leader is to, to lead those people to find their own strengths. So rather than telling someone how I think they should approach a problem or how I would do it, I tend to ask questions. You know, have you ever considered what do you think would happen if and put them in a position where they come to their own conclusions and develop their own internal strengths and confidence in their skill set. And that, I think, from an, an ongoing basis, builds strength and capacity across your organization. And, you know, from there, I think that only makes an organization stronger. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. One of the focus areas of Glaze and Grit is sharing that there's so many of us that may not know if we're on the right path in our journey. And it can be so easy to look back at an area or time in your life and in retrospect, see that it made sense. But in the moment, it can be challenging. Holding the position of CEO, which for many is a pinnacle position. Were you always confident in your career path? Certainly throughout the entire career, have there been setbacks? Absolutely. There have been challenges. Have there been questions? You know, you you doubt your abilities, you doubt the direction, you doubt the strategy that you've chosen. And that is the blessing of having talented people around you to help ensure that you can validate those things and come to uh, conclusions. You also have to give yourself permission to make mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, always knowing that you have the ability to learn from them and recover. The human services is kind of a different circumstance. We have to be very careful. You know, in a COVID-19 environment, mistakes can be deadly. And so I, I don't mean those types of mistakes, but I do reference your stretch goals. You know, what if if you were trying to raise $2 million and you went for three? Or, you know, for a, an individual that believes they can get to a B grade level in school and you say, let's go for A minus. Those are all, I think, a crucial part of our makeup and it's living true to the role modeling of Dr. Ann Carlson. I mean, that's what she aspired people to do. Don't don't dwell so much on those things that you understand you cannot change or can't make a difference in. Focus on what you know or understand what could be possible and give that 200% of your effort. And even if you don't meet that 100%, you will gain, you will learn you will be able to take that experience into your next challenge and will most surely benefit from it. Those are just uh, examples to live by. Absolutely uh, an amazing lady. Absolutely. Tim, what is your finish line? I don't know that there is a finish line. I want to be part of making a difference um, as long as I possibly can. And that's not me being selfish, wanting to focus on what I can do. But what can I contribute to? What processes, what legacy, what aspect of what the needs are in our current environment and into our short-term future? Where is it that we can continue to have that effect? 
as I've gotten older, it certainly has occurred to me, you know, this aspiration to retire. But, you know, it doesn't make sense to gain all of the experience and the connections and wherewithal and means by which to affect change and then to step away from that. For me, I'm actually excited if uh, once retirement comes to move into more of consulting support, board roles, et cetera, and continue. I, I just don't see that uh, ever stopping for me or the members of my team. That's just not in our DNA to uh, to step away when probably when many of us will be needed the most. Definitely. Tim, as we wrap up our conversation, I do want to ask how can people become more involved and learn more about Ann Carlson? We, we certainly like to direct people to our uh, our website and gain additional information at anncarlson.org. We have information there about our new capital campaign and our new building venture in Jamestown that's going to revolutionize the services that we provide there and, and set us up for uh, the foreseeable future. We are available for a speaking engagement, if that would be an interest for you. In terms of upcoming events, Ann Carlson uh, last year did probably our best performance ever with Giving Hearts Day. And, you know, just incredibly proud of the work of Dakota Medical Foundation and their leadership in making this truly an amazing annual fundraising event, but would uh, certainly encourage participation from all across the state of North Dakota, Minnesota. We had donors from all across the country um, last year and are certainly looking to make that another fantastic event for Ann Carlson in 2021 as well. So we'd love to have everyone participate with us there. And a shout out that Giving Hearts Day is February 11th. 2021. Great. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on and joining. I absolutely enjoyed listening to you and and am so inspired by, by your life journey, all of your work and all that your team is doing to support those in our community. So thank you. Well, thank you, Jesse. I just appreciate uh, you giving voice to themes that are really difference makers for this community. So thank you for your work. It's very much appreciated. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Hey, thanks so much for listening in today. To learn more about Tim Isinger and the Ann Carlson Center, check out our show notes at glazinggridpodcast.com. I also encourage you to stay in the know with the Ann Carlson Center at anncarlson.org. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by subscribing, rating, and sharing. Thanks again for listening. I'm Jesse Winorovich. Talk to you soon.